How are we doing, church? Now, Walter has prepped you well. Last week, you guys knocked out of the park, and then I get up here, and you're like, oh, hi, Brian. Now, thank you um, for joining us in that wonderful time of worship. Um, mm. <clears throat> I've cried more already than I normally do. <laughs> uh, God is good, amen? All the time, God is good. Um, if you are here this morning and you're visiting with us, um, you may have got one of these bulletins this morning. If you would, please fill out that um, little tear-off tab at the bottom and drop it in uh, Well, the offering plate try to come by. But um, you can give it to me or Troy or Walter, anybody um, that goes here to Holmes Avenue uh, when you leave. If you're, if you're a normal attender here and you, and you come regularly and you have a prayer request or you are visiting you have a prayer request, throw that on the back. And, and let us know how we can be praying for you. Um, we delight in the fact that we can pray for our church, so please let us know how we can be praying for you. Um, this morning, we are in, as Troy mentioned earlier, we are in chapter 3 of the book of Ruth. Um, so I hope you've got it open and ready. We're going to read it in just a moment. But looking at this and where we've been so far in the book of Ruth, if you have not had a chance to see uh, on Facebook or listen to on the website uh, chapters one and two sermons from the past two weeks, Troy and Walter did phenomenal jobs. They set me up perfectly for where God is, has directed us today. Uh, and so thank you, brothers, for preaching the word that God gave you to preach. And if you have not been here to listen to those, I encourage you, please go listen. Don't tune me out because we're in the middle of a book. I promise God's Word is alive and well. It will teach us where we are no matter where we are in the book. So today I pray that you're, that you're ready to go and we're going to continue on in the story. Um, but before we go into the scripture reading, I want to ask you, have you, what do you define the word rest by? How is, what, what are some things that come to mind when, when I ask you, hey, do you feel rested? Um, for a lot of us, I think we can say that we, we don't feel rested because we're very busy. Uh, we can say, you know, I'm not really rested because I got this going or that going on. Uh, for me, I don't feel rested because I woke up at 4.30 in the morning because my son wanted to eat. So, um, but Miranda can attest to that too. Um, but we don't feel rested. And so what are some things that we try to do to get rest? Um, we could say maybe, oh, well, try to get eight hours of sleep at night. You know, they, that's usually the prescription. Get eight hours of sleep and you'll start to feel more well-rested. Uh, we could say, um, well, I, I need to start eating healthier and, and start eating a, a clean, healthy lifestyle, and that'll get the junk out of my system, and I'll feel like I'll be able to be more rested then and have more energy. Uh, maybe for some of us we can say, oh, man, I need a vacation. The vacation will be what makes me feel rested. Uh, Pastor Troy was just on a vacation over the last month. You, you need a vacation when you got back, didn't you, brother? <laughs> Anytime you go on vacation, it's like, man, that was awesome. And so people ask you when you get back to work, how you doing? Man, I need another vacation from my vacation. I, I need another way to rest. You know, for me, I, if I can sit on the couch and just veg out there and just watch TV, that's rest. Nine times out of ten, I fall asleep right then and there watching TV or something on the couch. But we, we try to do these different things to give us rest. And would you agree with me that no matter what we do to try to get rest, we still are restless? No matter what we do, we're still restless. The world around us is going 
100 miles per hour. If we have children, we're tired just from following our kids around. Grandparents that, that help out with your grandchildren. I mean, kids alone, I mean, they're, they're a blessing for God, but it, it can be tiring. You know, trying to, trying to work maybe two jobs or working long hours at a job. No matter what, the world around us is going so fast that we're like, man, I wish I could get some rest. And what I want us to point out today in this sermon is that in, in chapter 3, Naomi has set up this plan to direct Ruth on something that will give her rest. And, and the rest that is that, that's going to come to be from that is rest from being one with Boaz. So we're going we're gonna to dive in and, and see how it all lays out for us today. But I hope and pray that you'll see how it ties in with us as followers of Christ and where our rest truly comes from. With that said, let's open up our Bibles and, and look at Ruth chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And the Word of God says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that I may be well with you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young men you were, young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and, was heart, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now is the time that I am a redeemer. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Excuse me. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it and measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley have get, he has gave for me. And, for, and he said to me, You must not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. So she replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Let's pray. <coughs> Excuse me. Father God, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for the time of worship that we've had this morning. The time of singing praises to you. Lord, lifting these words to you. Words like, we trust you. 
In all things we trust you. Your ways are higher than our own. God, you're an amazing God. Lord, we are blessed to be able to sit, gathered together corporately, freely, and worship you in song, in giving, in praying, and in the proclaiming of your word. Father, I don't take it lightly, and I pray today that you would use this vessel. I'm nothing more than a sinful man that you've saved by your blood shed at Calvary. So God, use me. Be glorified, Lord. For my brother and sisters and and churches around this community, Lord, I pray for them as they're gathering right now. I pray, Lord, for the man of God that is standing in their pulpit. I pray that you would be with them as they proclaim the word as well. Lord, that you would be glorified in all of us together as one would reach Park Circle and the surrounding areas with the gospel for your glory so the kingdom of God can grow. We bless you, Lord. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me. So my hope and prayer for us today as, looking, as we look at this chapter is that we would see this theme of rest and how it can not only just come from a narrative in Scripture, but we can stop and say, man, I see Jesus right in the midst of that. And we can take it and we can apply it to our lives to see that the sovereign work of God will bring rest for our souls. If we follow Him and we trust Him and we give everything to Him. So you know me, I like to to lay out some points for you. So the first thing I want to point out to us, and I hope you've got some notes, but the first thing is rest comes in diving into the opportunities God gives us. Rest comes in diving into the opportunities God gives us. Read verse 1 again. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Naomi has taken it upon herself to bring it forth to Ruth. Hey, there's this thing that you need to do. There's this thing that you need to do. There's, there's this need that I see. Notice she, she references the fact that there needs to be rest for Ruth. She points out to her, she says, Ruth, I've got to do this. I've got to point this out to you to direct you to how you can have rest. And she says there in verse 2, Is, it not, is Boaz not our relative with, these, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. She's bringing this up. Because if you would remember, if we would just for a second look back at Ruth chapter 1, 8 and 9, it says... But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed him, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Back in chapter 1, we know that Naomi has told Ruth and Orpah, You guys just need to stay here. I've got to go. But we know from what we've already learned that Ruth says, no, I'm going with you. Your God will be my God. So she she goes with her and she she says, I'm leaving this stuff behind and I'm going with you, Naomi. So when Naomi says there, go return each of you to your mother's house, may the Lord deal kindly with you. And then she says that he may grant you to where you find rest. We see here in chapter 3, this is the culmination, if you will, of her fulfilling what she's already said. God is using this in His sovereign work. 
I love what Robert Hubbard Jr., one of the commentaries I had, what he says. He says, Thus she models one way in which divine and human actions work together. Believers are not to wait passively for events to happen. Rather, they must seize the initiative when the opportunity presents itself. They assume that God presents the opportunity. In Naomi's case, any success presumably would be part of Yahweh's full payment of Ruth. Her acts execute God's plans. God uses us to fulfill His purposes. He gives us opportunities to serve Him, to direct people, to lead people. Sometimes to point people to Christ. To come along someone and minister to someone. In this case, God's sovereign plan, Naomi, is going to direct Ruth. You need to go and do this. And in verse 2, as we already see, it's part of her twofold plan, if you will. She says, Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? She's pointing out the fact, Boaz is a relative of ours. You've got to remember, Ruth is now a widow. So Naomi is laying out there and saying, Hey, He's, he's a close clan relative here. He's a kinsman. Have you not noticed Boaz? And she goes and continues there and says, See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now, what, what is so important about that? You see, you've got to remember, Ruth is a Moabite, a Gentile. So at the threshing floor at night... In the midst of the darkness there in that moment, it, presumes, it opens up the opportunity for Ruth and Boaz to have this conversation alone, to meet with each other, to talk with one another. Because if she does this out in the daytime, she approaches Boaz and says, Hey, so my mother-in-law gave me this idea, and I came to talk to you about it. It wouldn't end well for her. You didn't do that. So this is presenting an opportunity where she's going to be able to come in at night and talk. This entire chapter happens in one night. It's not spans out, it doesn't span out over several weeks or days. It is one night that this takes place. Now this, this concept of the threshing floor. In, in the ancient agricultural process, what they would do is... They, this idea of the threshing floor it would be part of the climax of the harvest process. And so the harvested grain was first bundled up in the field and then carried manually to this area where the threshing floor was. Now, in this case here, the threshing, uh, the threshing floor is in this bottom part of this valley, if you will. You could look and see it as like a hill. And where they're doing this at, where the, where the winnowing is taking place, where they're actually taking these forks and they're picking it up, the breeze would come in to the valley. And as it was coming in, they would take their, their fork and they would pick it up. And that was winnowing. They would take the harvest grain and they would throw it up and the wind would blow it and the heavier grain would fall. So this is where it would happen at the threshing floor. And so Boaz is going to be there that night. It was customary that the, the guys, they would stay out there at night with their, their things because people could come by and mess with it. Animals could come by and mess with it. So Boaz is going to be there. Naomi knows that. And so she presents, presents this plan to Ruth and says, Hey, Boaz is going to be down there tonight. And he's going to be doing this. You need to go and, and see him. Now, look what she says 
in verse 3. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Now some of us are reading this and we're probably thinking maybe, well, this sounds a little risky. Why, why is she going down there at night and getting herself all dolled up to go and see him? Now it, it was no... Uh, thought crossed the mind unmistakably like, oh no, this doesn't happen. There were opportunities where men would be down there at night and prostitutes would come in and do things. So let me go ahead and put the warning out there now. That is not what happens in this context. Now, we'll see in a little bit why it's so important why Boaz says, don't let anybody know that you've been here, but it's not because something immoral happened, okay? Okay. Let's go ahead and throw that out there now. But she tells her, go ahead and get yourself ready. Go ahead and prepare yourself so you can go and see Boaz. Now, does that mean get yourself all nice and pretty so that you look presentable? Well, yeah. Yeah. She, she says, present yourself, go wash up, um, anoint yourself, put on your cloak, and go down there. The cloak's important because, folks, the wind is blowing through. It's at night. It's going to be cold. So she tells her, go and do all this. But there's something important that we need to note. If you, if you can remember in 2 Samuel 12.20, we hear of something that David does very similar to this. It says, Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. In this context here in 2 Samuel, David has done this because he has finally completed the grieving process of losing his son. Remember, I mentioned just a few moments ago, Ruth has been a widow. She's been going through this grieving process. Isn't it really nice to note how they both do the similar thing? They both wash up. They both almost, in a, in a sense, say, all right, I've grieved I'm done, it's time for me to move forward. And for Ruth, it's to move forward to approach Boaz to present this plan to him, this proposal. Beautiful. Look at verse 4 and 5. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Ruth doesn't once stop and say, Naomi, you're crazy, I'm not doing this. She doesn't question her. She doesn't put up all these different things. No, Naomi, I can't go. I could get killed. Something could happen to me. My reputation could be ruined. I could pick the wrong guy. It's night. Something could happen to me. She doesn't do any of that. She says, what you say, I'll do. There were a lot of risk involved in this. There's a lot of risk involved for her to get to the point of meeting the one that is going to redeem her. But she doesn't care. She does what Naomi tells her to do. She's obedient. I want to put a little side note here for all of us in the room that proclaim Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There's a lot of risk involved with following Christ. Are you willing to take the risk? 
so that the name of Jesus can be proclaimed? Are you willing to take the risk for the one who has redeemed you? Think about that. There's risk of people judging us. There's risk of people calling us crazy because we proclaim Christ and we're trying to share that with them. There's risk involved. Do we face the risk of being killed or something of that sort? Not necessarily, but the way the world's going, you never know. Whatever the risk is of following Jesus, are you willing to take it? The second thing we see here as we kind of transition in this story is that rest comes from trusting God's sovereignty in our obedience. Rest comes from trusting God's sovereignty in our obedience. Verse 6 says, She went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. So 5 tells us that Ruth says, I'm going to do everything you say to do. And 6, the narrator lets us know she did it. She did exactly what Ruth told her, I mean, Naomi told her to do, excuse me. Verse 7 says, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. I had to laugh when I read verse 7. Because as a man, I know that I can get hangry. Y'all know what hangry is? Hungry with a little bit of an attitude. Miranda will tell you, I can get hangry. If I'm hungry, I, 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 can get, I can get a little angry with it. A little hangry. I think it's funny, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny to note, though, that Boaz, in the story of the man, Naomi tells him, wait until he has eaten and drink and, and drank his, um, his drink, and then let him sit there, because he'll be married. When I eat and I drink and I'm, and I'm full, I'm merry. <laughs> and nine times out of ten, I fall asleep pretty quickly afterwards. And look what happens in verse 7. Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry. He's just like Brian. His heart was merry and he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And then in comes Ruth. She came softly and uncovered his feet and lied down. Here again, I mentioned the fact earlier that there's, there, there are some out there to believe that there's some sexual innuendo going on here, some context. But, but listen to what happens here. Ruth comes in almost stealth mode, quietly, and does exactly what Naomi tells her to do. She uncovers his feet. She waits. She sees Boaz. She sees that he's done what Naomi said he was going to do. He lies down, and then she comes and uncovers his feet as he's lying down. Boaz is already asleep at this point. Okay? So verse 8 then, as we see this, verse 8 says, At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Can you picture it? Ruth has come and she's uncovered his feet. It's midnight. They're on the threshing floor. The wind is coming in. I'm sure that Boaz got cold and he kind of woke up. And when, when, I was, when, when I preach sermons, I like to go and, and listen to some other guys, pastors, well-known pastors, local pastors that have preached these to make sure that I'm right inside the same context along with commentaries and things like that. And, and one really well-known pastor, David Platt, Many of you have read his books or heard him. David Platt preached on this years ago. 
And one of the examples he gives is in this moment where he, he wakes up and he sees her at his feet. He references the fact that a story of with his child and being startled in the night when they, were woke, when they woke them up. And I, and I, I thought that was a funny story and the, until it happened to me a couple nights ago. I'm laying in bed and it's like one something in the morning and I'm out. I'm on my CPAP machine and I am out. Like dead to the world. And I feel this, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I'm startled, and I turn my head, and I look, and Adeline's right here in my face. And I'm like, what? And she's like, I just love you. Oh, that's sweet, honey. Thank you. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. Go back to sleep. <laughs> Thank you, though. But I just, I get this image in my head. Boaz is out. He's asleep. His feet have been uncovered. And the, at midnight, he's startled, and he wakes up, and he, he just sees her right there. And verse 9 says, he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Spread your wings, for you are a redeemer. Now remember when Naomi told her to go and do this, Naomi gave her clear instructions. Go down there, wait till he falls asleep, uncover his feet, and he will tell you what to do. But, but Ruth, as she's done this, she has followed every single thing that Naomi said to do. But then verse 9 tells us that she takes it a little bit further. She gets a little bit bold. And he says, who are you? She said, I am Ruth, your servant. Let's stop there for a second. This is not referring to Ruth as a servant, as in one that was out in the fields working for Boaz, doing servant work like that. No, she's referring to more of a maid servant. I am proposing this to you, Boaz. You're the Redeemer. I want to be yours. So she says in the second half of 9, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a Redeemer. What is so important about that? If you remember, the garment that she's talking about here where she says, spread your wings over me. The wing there references the garment in a way. And she says, spread your wing over me. It's the same thing that is referenced back in Ruth 2.12. I don't believe this one's on the screen. Let's just listen to this real quick. Ruth 2.12. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and full reward has been given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. The book of Psalms, chapter... Um, 61 verse 4 says, Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Selah. Let me take refuge under your wings. When we take refuge in the Lord, He is our God. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our protector and our provider. And Ruth is telling Boaz in verse 9, Spread your wing over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Let me take refuge. Protect me. Let me be yours. Verse 10, And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. 
The first kindness he references is back in Ruth 2, verse 11, when when Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. That was the first kindness. Now this second kindness, she is telling Boaz, I want you to be my redeemer. I, I need you. And he's saying this second kindness, it means a lot to Boaz. There's a lot of younger guys. And she's approaching him and she's saying, I want you. I want you. Verse 11, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Ruth had this amazing reputation. She was a worthy woman. Woman. If you remember from 2.1 last week, Boaz is known as a worthy man. Great reputation, great character. And we read verse 11 and we say, Hot dog, the plan has come to be. It's done. Boaz is, is just in awe of the fact that she doesn't want the younger one. And he says, For my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. Done. So we're excited. We're like, yes! little side note, the, the worthy woman part of it too. If you go, I, this just hit me, if you go in Proverbs chapter 31, we won't turn there right now, but read that, that chapter. It's where we get the, the, the whole proverb of, of the godly woman. If you read through that, read through that second half and then read through back some of these things that we've heard about Ruth and just look at the beautiful parallel there. That's a little side note for you to study later. But we read 11, we're like, yes, it's going to happen. And then Boaz throws this in at verse 12. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there's a redeemer nearer than I. Hold up, what? Boaz, I've come and I've done this and and we've made it known that, that I want you and you said that you're going to do this, but now you're telling me that there's another redeemer that's closer to you, closer than you? You have to remember with the kinsmen, it, it went brother, uncle, cousin, clan member. So Boaz falls into that clan member line. But he's telling her, no, there's one closer that can redeem you. And we're like, oh, man. So verse 13 tells us, remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Because that's the way it should be. A little side note. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. This brings me to the third point. We'll be finished soon. Rest comes in the redeeming work of God. Rest comes in the redeeming work of God. He told her, he said, hey, in the morning, if he comes to redeem you, great. Great. But if he doesn't, I promise, the Lord is my witness, paraphrase way of saying that, I will redeem you. Boaz, being a worthy man and a noble man and of good character, does what is supposed to be done. In verse 14 tells us, she lay at his feet until morning, but arose before anyone could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Don't let it be known. Get out of here before people start to wake up. 
Obviously nothing has happened here, but people will talk. Can you believe that gossiping was happening way back then? And it still happens today? That's a joke, you'll get it later. People are going to talk if they see us here. And you're a worthy woman of good character. I'm known as a worthy man. I don't want any reputation of yours to be hindered. So get out of here before anyone comes. Don't let anyone know that you are here. And 15 says, And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. This is very crucial. By Boaz doing this, there's several things that we can see. I get excited about this part. I was telling telling it to Troy earlier. I got really excited when I was going through my study because I've read through Ruth before. And it never clicked until I was studying for this passage. When he tells her, bring me the garment you're wearing and hold it out. It's not just the one piece of clothes she had on, so she took it off and gave it to him. She had this outer garment. And it was a garment like the women who would work in the fields. They would carry their child in it. So he tells her, give me the garment there that you have. And and he puts the barley in there. What is so important about that? It's this image of several, several different things. Number one... He tells her, make sure you carry this back so your mother-in-law knows that you have not gone empty-handed. When she goes back to Naomi, it's a sign. Hey, Ma, it's happening. It's going to happen. He's going to redeem. Which for Naomi, that's like, yes, Ruth gets the rest that she needs. But also, Naomi gets the rest she needs. Because remember, way back when, in chapter 1, She tells them, turn back, go, and may God bless you and give you rest. For those of you that are parents in the room, that that your child has grown up older, I can't attest to this yet because my child's only four. I wish the best for them. But as you have grown up in your life, have you been praying for your child for different things? Obviously, yes. When your child has hit hard spots in life, You pray for them. You want the best for them. You want them to have rest for their souls. Naomi has wanted this for Ruth for so long. Can you believe, or could you agree with, let me say that, can you agree with me on the fact that finding out that uh, Boaz says, here, take this, let this be a sign to your mother-in-law, can you believe that she probably felt comforted to know that that rest is coming for Ruth. So you've got that for Ruth, you've got that for Naomi, and then think about this. This is, this is just so good. The cloak, because it represents the fact like someone would carry their child when they were working. Listen to this. It foreshadows, it foreshadows the child that Ruth can now look forward to having with Boaz. Because it points 
to what's to come with Christ. This would lead to... (laughs) This would lead right down the divinic line to Jesus. Because God in His sovereignty brought these two together. Boaz with this Moabite woman. So he says, take this and let this be a sign. It's coming. It's going to happen. And I can't wait till next week when we see what happens in chapter 4. But let me end with this. Ben, you can start to come forward. 18 says, She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Boaz is not going to rest until he makes sure that the Redeemer that's closer is not going to take Ruth. He's not going to rest till it happens. The beautiful thing for Boaz is his rest comes by fulfilling the call in his life to be the Redeemer for Ruth. Now how does all this apply to us? Because of Ruth and Boaz becoming one that we're going to see soon, because of what has happened here on the threshing floor, the offer has been laid out there, the proposal has been made. And Boaz says yes. It's going to lead to the divinic line that will bring Christ, who is our Redeemer. Now, I've been talking about this whole concept today of rest and needing rest for the soul. Naomi is going to find her rest because of what is now happening. Ruth is finding her rest because she is no longer grieving. She has moved forward and God has brought the two together. For us, Our rest doesn't come with trying to get healthier. It doesn't come with trying to get better sleep patterns. It doesn't come with trying to do whatever you need to fill in the blank to find rest. Our rest comes by Christ Jesus' redeeming work in our lives. We need that to have ultimate rest for our souls. So if you're here this morning and you feel like you don't have rest, I would ask, is it because you don't know the Redeemer? Has that connection not been made? I'm going to be up here at the front. I know it can be terrifying to walk down an aisle to talk. So if you don't want to talk now, we can talk afterwards. But there's an amazing, amazing thing waiting for you if you don't know Christ. He will bring rest for your souls. He will call you to take risk. But it will be for the glorification of His name. The band's going to sing a song called Come As You Are. The opening line says, Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted. Let rescue begin. If you're in need of being rescued by the redeeming work of Christ, don't leave today without knowing Him. I'm going to pray and the band's going to sing and we'll move forward with our worship. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful story of Ruth and Boaz. Thank you, God, for all that it projects for the coming Messiah in Christ Jesus, our Redeemer. 
Lord, I pray that you would continually be glorified right now, Lord. If someone feels your need to, to draw near to you, Lord, and they want to speak, God, bring them forward, God. Let them talk, Lord. Let them be open to pray. But ultimately, Lord, you move now and be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Just stand up as we worship.